Welcome to the Global Energy and Environmental Law Podcast. Today is January 23rd, 2015. The podcast series is a product of the Committee on International Environmental Law of the American Branch of the International Law Association. My name is Mayanna Dellinger. I'm an Associate Professor of Law with Western State College of Law in Fullerton, California. I research and write on issues of national and international environmental law and how these issues intersect with various business aspects. I co-chair the International Environmental Law Committee with Dr. Will Burns. Dr. Burns is the co-executive director of the Forum for Climate Engineering Assessment, a scholarly initiative of the School of International Service of the American University. Today we're going to be talking about climate change. The City Council in Berkeley, California voted on November the 18th, 2014 to draft a proposal by this spring that'll put stickers on gas pumps citywide to warn consumers that burning fuel contributes to global warming. The proposed label is going to be approximately four by six inches and it's going to be affixed to the label of the gas pumps. The text in its current version reads as follows. The United States Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, has determined that consumption of energy products derived from fossil fuels contributes to climate change. To learn about how you can help reduce greenhouse gas emissions, go to www.cityofberkeley.info fuel. And today I have with me here not only Dr. Burns, but also two Berkeley Advisory Commission members to comment on this uh, proposed labeling uh, plan. And I'll have them introduce themselves. My name is Al Murray, and I'm chair of the Berkeley Energy Commission. Um, and I'm Gregory McGoffnia. I'm vice chair of the Berkeley Envi Community Environmental Advisory Commission. And I should initially say that these uh, people are speaking in their own individual capacities and not on behalf of uh, the city of Berkeley, California, as a general entity. And that also they present slightly different views uh, uh, in their capacities of this topic. So we'll hear um, a couple of different answers to uh, the following questions. But let's start out right away. Um, so why was this proposal, proposal adopted um, in the first place? What are the goals? What happened to the Energy Commission is that we had an organization called 350-Org Bay Area. They came to the Energy Commission about three times with the proposal. Um, the commission members, we discussed it in detail, and then it was um, given to the City Council. City Council referred it back to us, and as a result of that, an ordinance was proposed by staff and it was approved by the Energy Commission and also with the other uh, commission in accordance with them. Yeah, so um, in regards to the Community Environmental Advisory Commission, which is shortened to SEAC, um, 350 Bay Area came to us to one meeting. They, uh, they had a few members in public comment talking about how in Canada there were gas pump labels. Um, so basically they presented to us where it was, they showed us some examples, and I think in our commission, rather than saying, why do this, we said, why not do this? Um, they talked about the relatively low costs, and um, our commission was really looking at trying to fulfill our 2020 Climate Action Plan goals. Um, we had been following the Climate Action Plan for the last, well, I've been on the commission for two years, and the, my first meeting talked about how we weren't going to be able to meet our 2020 CO2 reduction goals for transportation. Um, and that was what 
that was the huge, the one where we would fall behind the most. And basically, it didn't look like we were doing very much reduction. Um, so when we looked at the gas pump labeling, we know that everyone already knows that there are a lot of emissions from fuels, but we wanted to take that a step further and just gently remind people because in Berkeley especially, um, the environment's very important. I think our climate action plan passed the measure to do the climate action plan passed with 80% um, of the votes, the voters supporting it. Interesting. Um, so you're mentioning climate change quite a bit here. Were there any other motivating factors? Are you thinking at all also about you know health of citizens, heat waves, uh, diseases? Did, did that motivate uh, you at all? It was part of the discussion, but um, particularly from the Energy Commission, it was more of awareness. Um, we know that um, the climate change is going to take... Um, a combination of things, and again, going back to the report, we knew that we weren't going to meet it, so we were thinking of methods of trying to make it happen. Uh, the labeling is just one aspect of a long range of proposals that the city of Berkeley is involved in, and it was just a part of doing our part. Um, on the commission side, it's, it's not to for for guilt of in the in individuals, but we know that in certain individuals who have vehicles, they go to their gas pumps, and there are other labels that are at gas pumps. We wanted to make sure that they were causative of that, and if they could do it another way, this is a reminder. Yeah, to, to add what um, Chair Murray was just talking about, the SEAC also thought about this. When you, when you think about climate change and health of citizens, they're basically intertwined because with climate change, we're looking at all these different things from global warming to sea level rise, and it's going to affect the citizens. That in addition to air quality of cars just driving by. Um, there was a lot of discussion in the SEAC about this. And one thing that we wanted to do, because the SEAC specifically didn't only want to label gas pumps. We also wanted to label um, electric hoses um, and uh natural compressed gas and biofuels, because in our discussions, what a lot of people don't realize, I mean, this is gentle, just a gentle reminder uh, about the choices you make with transportation. Um, I think in the Bay Area, especially with uh, a lot of millennials moving in, where a lot of them are relying on public transportation, and I think that's really good. We, we also want to remind people to look at their choice of single occupancy trips. Um, and one thing that we talked about is a lot of people are moving towards electric cars and stuff, but what people don't realize is just because you're driving an electric car doesn't mean you're cleaner. Uh, electricity is only as clean as where you get it from, and we just want to remind people, hey, your choice is still affecting us. Maybe the CO2 isn't coming out in Berkeley, but wherever the factory is, you're polluting there. Um, and then when we think about um, biodiesels, they're they're they come they're renewable they come from a better place but did you have to clear a forest to grow those crops right. so are you actually just because it it sounds better right it doesn't mean that you're actually doing anything better for the world you may have gotten rid of things that would filter out more co2 that's more to the story yeah interesting what about uh, labeling uh, electric cords like you said and other things are there any plans uh, about that still then or yeah i think so maybe our city staff can talk about that? Sure. Uh, Neil DeSnow, the Secretary to the Energy Commission here. Um, the uh, draft 
ordinance that's being presented back to the Energy Commission next week uh, includes a recommendation to label electric vehicle chargers as well. Um, so it would be diesel, um, gasoline, uh, compressed natural gas, and electricity. Interesting. And biofuel blends. Nice. What, uh, it, how did you come up with this idea? Or how did this idea even arise in the first place? Is there any precedent to this anywhere that you know of in uh, this country, in California, or around the world? I don't believe that there is. I think um, what we've heard that Berkeley would probably be one of the first cities in the United States that would uh, have a, a labeling such as this on, on gas pumps. Uh, one thing I did want to say is that uh, the organization 350 Org Bay Area, they did the homework for us, um, particularly for the, both commissions. They had um, contacted the local gas stations and the biofuel blend uh, stations that we had in Berkeley. And when they made this proposal, they were very receptive to it. Um, there was concern about how the labels were going to be put on, on, the, on the labeling. But as far as the concept and the ability to do it, they were all for it. And so that gave initiative for commissioners to, to go along with the proposal and to recommend to the, our civic leaders, city council people, to support us and to also uh, develop the ordinance for it. Uh, yeah, just to add what... Uh, to what he was just saying is the the organization uh, came to us and kind of just what he was saying they kind of had it wrapped in a pretty package for us already they did the research um, one of the questions the SEACT asked is what other cities have they talked to so it seems like they thought about the Bay Area first they were talking to Berkeley Oakland and San Francisco at the same time I think Berkeley beat the other ones I think something's going to happen in San Francisco I'm not sure about Oakland but um, they were basing it off of some work they did in Canada. So I guess they knew we would be receptive um, in general, especially with our climate action plan. That actually uh, raises another question uh, quickly for me. And that is, um, why is this initiative being taken here in Berkeley? Berkeley is already known for its many pro-environment initiatives. So why here? Why not someplace else? Well, Berkeley... Uh, for many, is a very progressive city, and the citizens are very causative of many things that happen, particularly in the area of environment. And they're not only concerned, but they have the they have the fortitude to do something about it. And because of that, we can go to our citizens and have that type of support, and we can propose various type of things. And the citizens will let us know if if they're against it. But when it came to something like this, we we talked to our constituents, we got the support, and it was like, why not Berkeley? Um, uh, many many times we find Berkeley um, being on the cutting edge of many things, and we definitely wanted to be the cutting edge of this and to basically lead the country that this may be a way to go. It's not for all cities, but you know, it's 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 a start, and so we said we'll we'll be the ones. To start it. Great. Let me ask you a follow-up question here. You indicated that uh, that Canada had uh, labels of this nature. Have they done any research in terms of the uh, the impact of those labels in terms of reducing uh, CO two emissions or the the educational benefits? You, 
Well, uh, just from uh, the CX point of view, we didn't ask them that far in depth. We actually had a discussion. One of our commissioners talked about the nexus between putting labeling on it and a change in behavior. Um, so some of the discussion we had internally was to have the gas pumps linked to a site that said, like, put more air in your tires, make sure you don't have too much in your trunk, just thinking of other ways to save fuel. Um, we didn't put that in our final recommendation because I think the point is, for us, is we need to – well, basically, climate change is a very serious issue. We passed AB 32. The state has declared it a serious issue to health and to the economy. Um, Berkeley's climate action plan passed with 80 percent of the votes – um, and if you look at the history of our elected leaders in the state assembly and even locally, um, this area just is very aware. Um, and we uh, just talking to regular citizens, we really care. So we don't we just this has to be taken in consideration with the whole thing. This is just not one thing. Um, this is one part of many different things of our zero waste plan of our commercial and residential energy use um, reductions. Um, so I think we just want to make sure our citizens are aware in as many ways as possible of the, the threat. I mean, we can just look at the weather. I think January's, we're not supposed to have any rain in the month of January. And just looking at the drought and stuff, it really solidifies the, the threat that climate change is having. When they came to the Energy Commission, uh, questions um, were posed on what they were doing in Canada. And that is still in progress. But what they're doing in Canada is more of an educational type of thing. And we, um, we felt very comfortable with, with that aspect of it, of educating the public. And they're doing it. And we said we can also do the same thing. Um, and, it, and we find that it would be beneficial. And so, I mean, it, there could be correlation. We can always contact them. They're very receptive to us, you know, posing more questions. And they're able to give us more information if we need, need it. Don't you run the risk, do you think, of being perceived, uh, being perceived rather either as paternal or uh, running the risk that this is just yet another label and there's already a lot of uh, messages out there, commercial and governmental and otherwise? Uh, what are your comments about those two aspects? Well, the, the labeling, um, I guess, in this society, when you have labelings on anything, it's you have the pros and the cons. But I think for this particular community, um, their awareness and their concern about climate change and environment and their part, what they can do, I think it makes a difference. And I think that is why they're receptive To, to the labeling. Um, the discussions that we had was based on size, um, the type of language, uh, not to fin, you know, if, it, if it's going to pass the test. But we wanted the language to be not so overwhelming, but it, enough to get to the point of just awareness. And I think that's what we try to do, and that's what uh, we will do, and that's our recommendation to the city council, is informative enough, but not overbearing that it causes enough awareness that you said, well, maybe we can do something about it. Um, yeah, I think for from our perspective, I don't, I, we're not really worried about being paternal. I mean, it, the 
basically, we've already been threatened to be sued by the Western States Petroleum Association over First Amendment rights. So one part of that is we, if we give them language, it has to be facts. So it's not like we're saying, well, when you think paternal, it's like your dad telling what you sh- we're telling you what you should and should not do. What we're doing is not presenting you with our opinion. We're presenting you with a fact. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Uh, there are other things that are labeled, and not necessarily to compare it to a syntax, but alcohol is labeled, cigarettes are labeled, mm-hmm. um, even leather goods or goods that can cause damage to your health in California with Prop 65 are labeled. So for us, it's it's more of a there, – there's no harm in being reminded. So if you go to the pump today, maybe you still have to fill up because you're out of gas, but – if you think about it in the future, maybe you'll buy a more energy-efficient car, or you'll you'll think about other things. And there, I think there's really a generational shift um, towards not owning cars um, and being more environmentally aware. So maybe if it doesn't affect the baby boomers, it may make millennials rethink their choices. Um, I think another thing to think about is there was recently a study released at UCLA Um, And I don't know all the details specifically, but they looked at trying to promote energy savings in the buildings. And the two messages that they used with their um, in their experiment, one group got the message you'll save money and the other group got the message that you will help the environment and you'll have cleaner air. Um, And the one that talked about community health and the environment, those that group actually reduced their energy uh, consumption more than the group that thought it was just about saving money. So there is proof that people care, and when they hear this message, that they they think about it. Interesting. Of course, the Western States Petroleum Association, uh, which is an oil industry lobbying group, has said that the plan imposes onerous, onerous restrictions on businesses and compels speech in violation of the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. Of course, a United States has uh, a United States court has held that in the commercial marketplace, the first uh, first amendment does permit a government to require businesses to disclose accurate and uncontroversial facts, as long as the disclosures are reasonably related to a governmental interest in preventing deception or in protecting public health and safety. The labelings are not compelling. It's not telling an individual you must do it. It's just, I would say, like a friendly reminder and um, the individual has a choice of whether to abide by it or not and and we're not compelling them to do it we're just reminding them that think about the environment think about the health think about the health of others think about your society and if you want to help this there's another way of doing it so it's, it's not that we're compelling and this is a discussion that the Energy Commission had, um, I said, throughout the whole uh, duration of this before we actually approved it, because it was a concern of the members. You know, we, we talked about it. And and so that's why the emphasis on what is said in the language is so important. And and how we present it um, is, is something that we're going to do, that we don't force it, you know, and, and basically uh, would be sort of clear being given a choice for them. So in regards to the concerns about uh, free speech being compelled, um, we made it go where we asked the city attorney to draft language. Um, and basically, we, we think that there 
we are not asking them to say anything unfactual. So it will meet uh, the the requirement that it's uncontroversial and based on fact. And um, based on AB 32, which has uh, which talks about public health and how CO2 emissions and climate change are a threat to to the health of the citizens and the economy and all those different things, we think that there is a state interest in this and that labeling wouldn't conflict with the First Amendment rights. Of course, to play devil's advocate, you could also say that, yes, these are facts, but they may still be controversial to some. Well, maybe we'll have to have another court rule on it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we expect a lawsuit in the city. You do. Okay. And you're not afraid of that? No. Great. Well, we're just the commission. We yeah. don't have to worry about <laughs> it. It's right, right. city the attorney. city attorney will definitely, they'll, their staff will work on it, yes. Great. Bringing in an international aspect of this, in the European Union, a voluntary labeling system known as the EU Eco-Label allows producers, importers, and retailers to affix a label to their products indicating that their products and services are more, so to speak, environmentally friendly than others. Um, it is, however, a voluntary initiative. It's not required. Do you think such a voluntary initiative might work better here in uh, the United States, uh, particularly here in Berkeley? Uh, why or why not? I, well, there's two sides of the coin. I think there are advantages to voluntary labeling. Um, I think what the European Union may do, it may work for them, but I think when it comes to our particular community, um, Having a um, citizens organization look at it, review it, and having it approved by elected officials is, is, is one way, knowing that it's just not uh, us saying it or the community, it's, it's, um, it has the support of elected officials. And it's, we were not necessarily concerned about the rule of law, but what is said is actually factual, and it's not pervasive. You know, it's, it's based on something, and that's, that's why um, you know, we're supportive of that. Um, I, I think this is a little bit of a complicated comparison because if we look at the EU versus the U.S. and voluntary labeling, um, I mean, I think on the federal level, it's going to be very hard to do anything, especially anything, especially dealing with the environment and something voluntary. Something voluntary would be very tricky. I mean, if we look at the history of organic foods, and that was. Um, Uh, basically, there is a big movement towards organic now, and that is like you could voluntarily say if you want to be labeled organic, and then you can go through these requirements. But there was no, it didn't take off until there was a market for it. So thinking about this over the whole United States, is there a market for cleaner energy? Is there, would this apply in Montana? Would this apply in Missouri? I don't know. Um, I think if you look at California, We are doing things that the whole United States isn't doing. Um, we have, I, I'm not exactly sure where we are in cap and trade, but I know we're starting it. I don't know that we're doing that on a federal level. I think Republican senators and Republican representatives are slowly behind closed doors talking about that on the federal level. But I mean, when you go smaller and smaller and smaller, it gets easier. The federal level, I don't know that we can do this at all. State level, we can make some strides, but there are different interests in different parts. I think certain communities, especially in mid, uh, the middle of California and Southern California, a lot of them fought against the, some of the stuff with uh, cap and trade. Um, so I think it's easier to start 
on a municipal level locally because if we think about it berkeley has all these things we have we just passed the soda tax um we also have a minimum wage and these things even in this very very progressive region we don't know that it will be the same city to city we passed the soda tax in berkeley with 75% of the vote and in san francisco they didn't pass it and i i could sort of talk um a little bit about the federal agency because i i retired from the us epa in may of last year and so what uh region 9 epa region 9 is trying to do they're trying to inform the states and the cities of these type of things and what is successful in city and states goes to the federal level so there's a, a mutual uh, relationship whatever works and whatever is progressive the federal government is at least giving that information to states and cities so i mean it, it is it is happening and and they are aware of it then it's up to them in order to make the decision if they want to do it I think that does it for this podcast. So again, thank you so much to Al Murray, who is the chair of the Berkeley California Energy Commission. He is also formerly was formerly an assistant professor with the School of Environmental Studies and Planning um, at Cal State University Sonoma and subsequently he served for 10 years with the US EPA in its office of regional council and also in the waste management division. And with us today was also Greg Magofna, who's the vice chair of the Community Environment Advisory Commission of Berkeley, California. He has a degree in political science from UC Berkeley and has lived all over the world where he's been very interested in transportation issues. For example, he lived for three years in Seoul, Korea and was very impressed by the public transportation system there. He currently works for the mayor of Berkeley, California as a legislative aide. Thank you both. You've been listening to the Global Energy and Environmental Law podcast, a product of the International Environmental Law section of the American branch of the International Law Association. You can find us at the Global Energy and Environmental Law. Podbean. Com or on iTunes.